All episodes of It's Great Business reflect the views and opinions of Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group and its guests and do not reflect the official policy or guidance of employers or government entities. You're listening to It's Great Business, sponsored by Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, where great business equals great people. Welcome to another episode of It's Great Business. I'm Janice Berg-Levy. Today, I have with me one of my dearest friends. His name is Shariar Beji, and Shariar and I go way, way back. Um, and I'm going to tell you that once you hear his story, you're going to be so enlightened and excited and certainly uh, hear a lot about what it's like to really work in a, in a global world, uh, really taking himself uh, out of comfort zone and moving around to do what he loves. So I'm going to turn it over to Shariar and let him tell you a little bit about who he is and what he's doing now. Welcome, Shariar. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, um, yes, we do indeed know each other for a very long time. Goes back some 20 years. Uh, we started off working together on telling stories in early days of information security world. What better place than Washington, D.C.? I have been in uh, risk consulting all my life. I am a consultant and I have done projects, uh, as you touched on, all over the world. And I feel they all um, had two things in common. In professional services world, uh, you always uh, search for a very complex problem and you feel very rewarded if you are able to come up with a very simple solution. Uh, the second thing they all had in common is that in professional services, you're never the decision maker, you're an outsider. And that kind of changes the whole dynamics of how you look at problems. But on the plus side, you get to see different environments, different cultures, different uh, work and social cultures and how they perceive the problem and so on. So in brief, I feel I've been in risk consulting and uh, looking at different complex problems in very different environments. Fascinating. When you think about what you've done and a large part of your life at this point, what do you think your purpose is? Like, what's, what's at your core? Well, I think um, to really have an impact in short uh, comes down to. Uh, but when you look back, of course, um, you learn and, and, and uh, try to benefit from those lessons as you move forward. Over time, I think I got better at understanding what is at stake, who is going to be impacted. So when we talk about a positive impact, what this is about. Uh, but I think for me, it's about uh, making sure what I do is at its best. And um, quite frankly, financial reward uh, becomes the inevitable consequence of the good work, as opposed to uh, the other way around. Uh, but connecting with people is very exciting to me. Understanding how different people in different cultures, different countries, uh, what matters, that, that becomes part of the purpose. Tell me a little bit about your, you know, your personal and your career journey, because I, I know a lot about it, but I think your listeners would just be so excited to hear about you. Of course. So as you know, New York was always home. Uh, I started off uh, studying medicine, actually. I uh, learned a lot, obviously, and in, in a way, I feel my career in risk management started 
in uh, emergency rooms of uh, in, in Boston and New York. I went on to uh, go to business school. As you know, I spent a few years at Cornell. And uh, then I moved on with my first consulting job in New York. And it kind of went from there. I spent some time in California, uh, but I moved back to uh, New York. And as you know very well, we spent some time in Washington, D.C. And yet again, I moved back to New York after that. Uh, so um, in a way, I feel very fortunate that in a sense, I've been in risk consulting all my life. But, uh, and yet, uh, I have not been doing the exact same thing uh, over and over. I've been doing it in very different contexts and different environments. And uh, as I like to say sometimes, my career took me from uh, the uh, wine country of upstate New York to uh, uh, mountains of Andes. As you know, I worked in Latin America for some time. Uh, to uh, gardens of uh, English countryside. And as you know, now I live in the Netherlands. Uh, but one thing has been in common, professional services consulting in uh, risk management. Well, yeah, I mean, I would just say that from where things were 20 years ago in terms of the world of risk and where they are today, most of us realize that because of technology and, and the changes that have occurred in rapid speed, there's just way more risk than I think we ever had before. So yeah, certainly a sweet spot for any of our listeners who are thinking about, you know, what do I want to do with my career or might be at that middle stage and say, you know, how do I even get into this? Right? Like, this is an interesting area. I've been hacked. Who are these people that, you know, I hired uh, to help me and what are they doing? And what does all this mean? Because that's really just at a layman's level. It's so much deeper. Switching a little bit here to your definition of success. So when you think about what you've been doing, and again, so exciting, I'm right now, uh, so that our listeners know, you're sitting in the Netherlands in this beautiful, beautiful place uh, in the world. And so from my perspective, obviously, for those of us that you know, aren't traveling right now, we're extremely jealous. How do you define success in a holistic way? I think um, if you look at it, uh, us, regardless of our role, regardless of our titles, there's always a job to be done. There's a work to be done. But once you get beyond that, uh, it's about uh, your career and how you grow and get better at what we do. And uh, whether we have the opportunity uh, to be able to do the kind of things we like to do. And, but like I said, to me is at the end of the day, what is the impact? If I live in Buenos Aires for two years on the way out, to be honest with you, that's what goes through my mind on the plane. Uh, did I leave any fingerprints anywhere? Did I have any impact on anything? But being able to pick on a very complex problem and be able to solve it uh, is obviously a very rewarding feeling and it's a successful feeling to have. Yeah, I think this, this theme of meaning in one's life and just being meaningful in terms of whatever your career is or whatever you, you know, your life's work, whether it was being a doctor or working in risk or any of the other fields that uh, we've been exploring in the series, I think that the end of the day, it all ties back to that ultimate, you know, question of the per of your purpose. Why are we here on earth? And, you know, what are we doing? Yeah, we all want to have a good time. And hopefully we smile a lot. And 
but along the way, what did we do for humanity? And, uh, and I think that that's a, a wonderful thing for people to think about um, as they make their choices throughout their life, both personally and professionally. So if you think about all of that and you put it in context, how has your vision of kind of purpose and success changed, if, if at all, over the years? Well, I guess um, as we get more experienced, which is a gentle way of saying older, uh, our definition of success changes, of course. And um, I think more and more, hopefully, you would search for uh, meaning, uh, the connection, the impact, the intellectual curiosity, uh, the learning aspect of what we do. And like I said, I'm really big on how financial reward ought to be a uh, you know, inevitable consequence of your good work. And uh, basically, you know, feel rewarding in a lot of things you do. That's interesting on the financial reward piece, because I think that what I've been observing is that this whole notion of do what you love and do it with people that you enjoy being with. And knowing you, I know that that's a big, big part of that. Any thoughts about that, that topic in terms of, you know, who you choose to work with? I think um, at a certain level, I call it subconscious thinking. You associate yourself with people when you realize you come up with creative, good ideas, you're productive, you get work done, and yet it doesn't require much of a deeper analysis. It just happens. Some people call it a flow state. Uh, I want to get a bit more analytical while I suggest we should stay away from being analytical. I call it uh, really subconscious uh, thinking and processing. And so in a certain way, you identify people you like to work with in an intuitive way. Uh, but yet uh, we search for certain qualities, we search for uh, certain characteristics in people. To me, obviously competence is always stimulating, but I pay a lot of attention to potential to grow. I like to see where people see themselves in the future. I also pay a lot of attention to culture, integrity, commitment, and uh, basically, as we like to put it, not cutting corners short and committing to the client. As you know, like I said, I've been a consultant. To me, a client is a client. It can be a small school district outside Des Moines, Iowa, uh, or a large reputable bank in, uh, you know, in London or where it may be. Those are broadly the kind of things I've looked for. That's fantastic because this is something where the whole context in terms of this podcast series is great business is about great people. And you really define for our listeners some of those attributes. And I think that, you know, sometimes it's you you just know Um, and you have to listen to what's inside uh, as much as being able to overtly define it. And you should be able to make sure that when you go speak to someone about an opportunity, job interview, et cetera, business opportunity where you're going to team with someone, I always say, follow your heart. Don't ignore those internal messages that are coming through. So to your point, without getting too uh, deep in this, I think that that's really an important 
consideration for people when they say, well, how will I know when I find great people, you know, in a great company? And some of it may also have a little bit to do with the current performance of that company, if it is an existing company. So other things to think about. When you think about what you've learned in terms of your business success, because you, you've been enormously successful in, in my book, and I would say the number one is because you know how to have a good time. And I'm all about the fun part of work, which people sometimes forget about. So when you think about your learnings and some key takeaways, you've given us a little bit there in terms of how to find great people. Anything else, one or two things that you might want to share with our listeners? Uh, well, that itself could be a subject of a separate podcast. Uh, having said that, I think to me, uh, never stop exploring without getting, uh, again, over uh, analytical about this. My favorite philosopher, or one of my favorite philosophers, uh, Humboldt, the German statesman, he said, it's in our nature to explore. So people want to get out there. People want to explore. People want to learn more. Um, and uh, then paying attention to detail over time, you realize that it becomes natural. So what kind of people I want to work with, what kind of environments I want to be in, what kind of projects I want to do, it becomes intuitive. But like everything else, it comes with practice. And that requires to make sure you never stop exploring, you never stop searching for uh, new ideas and new environments. That is a great tip in terms of continuous learning and exploring. So is there anything when you look back, and again, it's not to say that you're done, <laughs> but anything that you would have done differently in your life's journey? Oh God, so many things. Um, <laughs> uh, years ago, I decided that I like to look back and be happy with a third of my life and be able to live with a third. And maybe I would change a third. And I always thought that's a healthy ratio. So you don't, you know, get uh, imbalanced about anything. There are things I would have done differently. I would have explored more. I would have uh, tried different things. I uh, regret times when uh, I, I conformed or I didn't think for myself. I uh, would have uh, tried different aspects of my profession. Uh, and perhaps those moments were why I decided in 2011 to just move to London and do exactly what I had been doing all along, but do it for financial institutions, which was a very different perspective on, on what I was doing. So I'm going to switch here for a little bit so that our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Obviously, I know you very well. Tell me a person that you admire the most and why. Oh, um, I'm sure a lot of people would say there's more than one. I um, am more into early 19th century politicians for some reason. Maybe that's an era I studied well. What I like is that um, they studied philosophy. So the person or one of many I would admire uh, would be Thomas Jefferson. Given what we have been going uh, through, not just in the United States, throughout the world with the pandemic uh, makes his writings and his perspective 
a lot more rele uh, relevant, rather. Uh, but uh, God, I could go through a whole long list of people that sure. I admire. Sure. Favorite book? The Extraordinary Popular Delusions. Okay. It's a remarkable story. I'll keep it short. But uh, the book was written by Charles McKay in 1865. He was a Scottish journalist during the Civil War in the United States. So he was reporting on the Civil War uh, back home in Scotland. And when he went back, uh, he wrote The Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of the Crowds, which I believe is a remarkable uh, work of art. Okay, great tip. Favorite movie or, since we've all been on lockdown, streaming show? Now I'm thinking entertainment. So I think the first thing pops to my mind is Lost in Translation. All right, great. Favorite city? as a world traveler and someone who's lived so many places. Bonus Iris, unequivocally. Favorite food? Avocado. I was expecting <laughs> something that was completely decadent or, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's so healthy. Avocados, okay. So here's a little bit of an opportunity to talk about what you're currently doing and how people can reach you if they're interested and learning more about your current adventures. Indeed, thank you for that. As you well know, uh, we're working on multiple projects, but my favorite is uh, Harlem Talk. Harlem Talk uh, started about uh, four months ago. It's a social enterprise around human resilience, and it is meant to um, focus on community requirements. And Harlem Talk, uh, based in Harlem, the Netherlands, is focusing on how to bring different community ideas, a lot of existing uh, good projects together and do a number of things differently. First and foremost, would not be a surprise to you, take a risk-based, risk-adjusted approach to make sure that uh, becomes successful. Uh, the second thing I'm particularly very excited about is our plans around using blockchain tokenization or issuing securities through blockchain to um, make community participation easier. So the idea is that anybody in the community uh, can use a simple app and be part of this enterprise. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. It has been a great conversation and hopefully people picked up a few tips along the way. Thank you for having me. It was terrific. Take care and stay well. For more information, you can reach Shariar at talk at harlemtalk.nl, T-A-L-K at harlem, H-A-A-R-L-E-M-T-A-L-K dot N-L. Tune in to the next episode where Eva McGowan joins us from Barcelona, Spain, sharing how she reinvented herself and her business during COVID. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Also, check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And visit us on the web at intracoastalmarketingstrategy.com.